On today's episode, we're going to talk about something that many people thought was impossible, getting positive cash flow on a freehold property in Toronto. Stay tuned. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, welcome back to the show once again. Thanks for tuning in to the True Condos Podcast. Make sure that you're getting our weekly email update so you never miss an episode and you never miss a great investment opportunity. Sign up anywhere at truecondos.com with your name and email and you'll be sure to start receiving our weekly email updates. You can always reach me as well if you'd like to reach me about the opportunities discussed on this or any episode. You can reach me, Andrew, at truecondos.com or you can call me 416-371-2333. So on today's episode, as I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about something that many people thought was impossible, and that is finding positive cash flow on a freehold, not a condominium, a freehold property, we're talking low rise, uh, in the city of Toronto. We're not going uh, to the far away reaches of uh, small town Ontario, Small cities in Ontario, we're talking right in the city of Toronto proper, the 416. We've got an amazing opportunity called uh, Riverside Residences, and it is just a phenomenal opportunity. I personally have invested in this project, and uh, many of my clients have as well. And there's a new release of units, uh, specifically townhome units, coming up here right now. Uh, at time of recording this podcast here in uh, in July of 2019. So if you missed out on that first one or if you're looking for something like this, this is a fantastic, fantastic opportunity. If you're looking for something that with great cash flow, that's actually freehold, not condo, freehold in the city of Toronto proper. So on today's episode, I have a very special guest that I sat down had a chance to interview and talk with Sharon Florian from Citizen Fernbrook, and uh, Sharon was amazing to talk to. Uh, she shares her story, how she got started in real estate, and you'll definitely love to hear that. Talked a lot about um, her experience buying her first property, the mindset that she had. She got started very young, um, and she just had an amazing mindset, which I, I, I love, and I want to make sure that everybody pays attention to what she says about um how she got into it and sort of the mentality that she had at the time uh, that she did. And just she's done absolutely amazing with her own personal portfolio. And, of course, she's um, now she's uh, running the sales and marketing for one of the GTA's top developers. So just a great person to chat with. And also, of course, we dive into this project, specifically Riverside Residences, um, Lawrence and Black Creek Drive in Toronto and the amazing opportunity that it is and what makes it so special and how the numbers look and we're very excited to uh, to share this info with you. Once again, to get all the details on this and any opportunity here on this podcast, just send me an email, andrew at truecondos.com or call me 416-371-2333. So without further ado, here is my interview with Sharon Florian. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. Excited to chat with you more about um, this opportunity. But first, I just thought it'd be great to hear from you. And and I don't know the story either myself. So I'd love to hear, like, how did you get 
started in real estate? How did you get to where you are right now? Uh, it's, it's actually an interesting story. Um, I bought my first condo. I, I always thought that in, real estate was something that interested me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I didn't really know how to get into it or maybe was a bit nervous about it. Um, and I purchased my first condo um, pre-construction uh, when I was 25. And uh, when I was signing the paperwork, I just happened to ask the salesperson, um, you know, how is it that you got into this? And, and just started asking her a little, about, a little bit about how she got into it, how she likes it, what she does, what it entails. Um, what were you doing at the time? Uh, at the time, I was actually working for a computer software company in, in accounting, like administration in okay. accounting. Um, I had started to take my license, but really had no idea, like it was on the side, if I was going to do anything with it. Um, and like from a real estate nope, family? Or? Not no. whatsoever. Okay. No, not whatsoever. Um, but uh, I ended up uh, with uh, getting an interview with the manager of the site uh, where I'd bought it. It was actually uh, Ken Alpha's Liberty Village. Um, okay. And it was Stacked Town Homes. And uh, so I interviewed there with the manager and almost immediately I was working um, working weekends doing tours for them on, on their existing inventory buildings. Um, and so it was actually, it, it was actually good for me twofold because I was 25. I had almost no money in the bank and I had to figure out how I was going to come up with these structured deposits. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, my, you know, I was very interested in real estate and my goal was to head in that direction. Um, so for the next uh, almost two years, I'd say I worked, uh, seven days a week and two I, years for two years. Yeah. So I worked seven days a week and I lived off the money I made doing real estate on the weekends. Yeah. Um, and I put my entire salary towards the down payment cause I like kind of right. bought it. Like I'm, you know, saying, I know this is going to be a good investment. I know it's going to increase in value and it's, how it's, did you know that? Um, well, because real At estate is the one age. thing like what were you thinking? I want to get your mindset at that time because I find that so interesting. I, one of the questions I was going to ask you, you're you're answering it with, this, with your answer already, but I wanted to hear about your first purchase. Yeah. And what were you thinking at the time? I always find that interesting to hear what. Well, I saw what I saw at that time was that I could make and save money at a certain rate, and the real estate market was increasing at a rate much higher than my pay or my ability to save money was increasing. So I knew that I had to get into the market somehow um, and that uh, a good, really good way to do that would be the pre-construction market. I can buy today at today's price um, and then it's going to force me to do whatever it is I can to make that deposit, uh, to make those deposits um, right. and or save the money to pay off the line that I got to, to make those deposits. Um, and it's the imminent deadline. And then at the time of closing, it would be worth more than what I'd paid. Um, and definitely the equity in the property was more than I would have been able to save. Right. Right. So by saving just for the deposit, I had equity that was so is far that in excess like, of that. You know that in hindsight or at the time, that's actually what you were thinking. Cause that's like for somebody who's never bought before, that's a rare you know, mentality to have. It's absolutely true. Yeah. But so many like people who haven't bought before, who haven't invested before, they don't understand that. Like how, what, how did you understand? Did you have a mentor? Do you know? How did you figure that out? I know. I think I just inherently knew that. um, So we had moved around a little bit. We lived in North Toronto and then we'd moved to Richmond Hill and then we came back. And so I think probably through my parents' mistakes is where, is where I saw this in that, 
um, you know, in there moving around, they probably should have just bit the bullet, maybe gone to my, my father, especially was always very cautious. My mother mm-hmm. was more of the risk taker, but my father always won out. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they always were very cautious with their moves, um, and even with their investments, um, and, uh, with, with things like, um, what am I trying to say with, they wouldn't go to the end of their budget. Okay. Right. So they wouldn't buy to a point where it made them uncomfortable. He always liked to be comfortable. Right. Conservative. Um, That's it. Yeah. So I always like, especially in pre-construction and, and I'll, and I'm actually going to tell you a story because I again listened to somebody else and it was not the right, the right choice. Um, so I always like to go kind of to the edge of my limits when it comes to affordability, because by the time you actually get into that, you're going to easily afford it. Your life always changes. You're always going to do better. Right. Um, so, and you're always going to need a little bit of a bigger space or a little bit more. Um, so I like stretching yourself a little bit, making yourself a little bit uncomfortable. And that's where I feel you're going to make money. Right. Um, so the high, not when I say higher risk, higher reward, I'm not trying to say go out there and risk everything. I'm just saying you can always, um, just, live a little bit uncomfortably and you'll reap a better reward from that. A perfect example is, uh, in the, the condo that I bought the stack townhouse. Um, I wanted to buy the two bedroom. And at the time, the difference between the two and the one plus den was, I think about $15,000. Like it was today (laughs) in today's rate that that's marginal. Right. Um, but at 25, $15,000 is a lot of money. Um, and so, at the time, I was convinced that to stay in the one plus den, and I did. And in the two years until it was done, um, I was engaged, and you know, I worked from home partially at that time. And there were so many reasons why one plus den was just not going to be enough for us. Uh, it might have worked for the first few months, but it would have been a temporary solution, and we would have wanted to move rather quickly. Um, so we ended up at that point. Uh, the developer allowed me to change to a two bedroom, but he made me pay current day price for it. Oh, wow. So, so at the time for me, it was worth it, but that more whole, than 15,000. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so at the time it was, it was, uh, still worth it for me. I lost yeah. the equity gain that I would have had. Mm-hmm. However, um, on the resale market, the two bedrooms did very, very well because as you know, in, in downtown, there is a need for, for larger units. People are getting sized out of things. Um, and there's not as many two and three bedroom units. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was sort of your first l- hard learning lesson yes. in real estate yes. as well as your first good experience at yes. the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And from there, um, I've actually since then, um, bought and sold numerous properties. I've bought and held numerous properties. Um, I, and I, I still like to purchase, I still have some pre-construction condos that have yet to close. Um, and I actually personally have purchased, a, a unit here at Riverside as well. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so have I, Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about Riverside for sure. Um, what was your first, so what was your, I guess you didn't finish, maybe, maybe finish the loop in terms of mm-hmm. how, how did you make that shift full, like fully into real estate and into the world you're yeah okay you're in then so you, work, so you were working full-time for two years so the two jobs at the same or seven days a week not full-time yeah double full-time yeah seven days a week for a couple of years yeah you're pushing yourself you, you stretch yourself you you know to make those payments to get your foot in the door of the market yeah i mean that's i think one of the common things people talk about today is it, same it was the same when i first bought it was the exact same when you first bought 
it wasn't, it's not easy to get into the market for the first time. No. People have this, I think, misconception, don't they, that it's, it's so hard today. It was so much easier then. Sure, it might have been easier in some ways, but it, for every generation that is starting out, it's always hard, isn't it? Whether it's absolutely whether it's 2019, 2009, 1999, it's always been hard to get your foot in the door. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all relative, right? So when I was working in admin and accounting, I, my salary was in the 20s. Um, wow. Right. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so um, and you bought it. Yeah, you bought a property, and I still managed to buy it. Exactly. At age 25. Yeah. You figured it out. You hustled. You you yeah. you put you did work seven days a week, two yeah. jobs. You figured it out. You make it happen. You make it happen. Yeah. And then the equity you have in that property, the more properties you have, that's what makes it that's what makes it easier, right? Because you have equity yeah. and you can leverage different properties. Your first property you leverage a bit to buy your second and vice versa. Or maybe maybe you're able to retain your first and leverage it, or maybe you sell it and take that equity and buy your second. But eventually you are in a position where you do not have to sell, where you can right. hold. Um, which is, you know, which is the ultimate goal, I think. Um, but uh, to continue on how I actually got into real estate full time, um, I, I initially went directly, directly into the new home market where I am today. Um, so I was working weekends and then when a, a position opened up in admin uh, for a new condo sales office, um, I, I took that, it was offered to me and I took that position, which was a leap of faith because I was going from salaried with benefits, um, to, you know, hourly and, and, you know, one way, one side ends, you don't know if you have the next. So, right. you know, um, there wasn't as much security yeah. I'd say. Um, and then after doing admin on that site for maybe three, four months, they were launching the next phase. And at that point I, um, I was offered to be selling at the site. Um, and that's where I began, uh, selling on site, uh, for condominium development. Um, and then shortly after that, I actually was managing for the marketing company, um, that, that I was employed by. Um, and I was there for two years before I moved to the developer side of things where mm -hmm. I am now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what your role right now, just so people know. Yeah. So I'm is, the vice president of sales and marketing for Fernbrook Homes and Cities and Development Group. Right. And a little bit about Citizen Fernbrook for people who aren't familiar with them. Yeah. What, what, what should we know about them? Um, so Fernbrook has been developing the low-rise world for, for years, um, over 30, 35 years. Um, and then they joined forces with Citizen back in 2004. Uh, when they okay. launched the uh, Marilyn Monroe or the Spiral Buildings in Mississauga. Was that 2004? That I was believe it was two, around there. Yeah, yeah. 2004. Um, 2003, 2004. End yep. of 2003 into 2004. Right. Um, so that was their, their first venture together. Um, and then since then, um, there's been a number of notable projects. Pier 27 right on the water, yep. the shores in Oakville, L Tower backstage, um, and so, uh, many of the projects are done together and some are done separately. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So it's two separate companies that do some projects together. That's correct. That's how they operate. That's right. And, and you, you help out with the sales and marketing for both. For both. Sides. That's right. 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 Yes. Great. Um, so what was, what was the first property? Can you tell us about the first property that you bought that was purely just an investment that you were buying it? Like the first one you described before was mm -hmm. you're planning on moving into it. It ended yes. up sort of being that launching point for your, mm -hmm. your real estate portfolio and your career as well. Um, but what was that? What was the first property you bought just 
I'm buying this purely as a, as an investment, as a rental. So the very first property that I bought, uh, which was not, it wasn't for a rental. It, I actually bought it and assigned it. Okay. So the very, very first one that I bought was at the first project that I worked at, uh, which was absolute. Um, and I did buy and I assigned prior to closing. Um, and then that gave me some equity to then begin to purchase, um, and, and hold. Right. Yeah. So, um, right now the, the, I'm going to say the first one that I have, it was, we've had it for a number of years now. Um, it's at DuPont and Lansdowne, mm-hmm. that area. So, um, when I buy and hold, I like to invest in areas that aren't necessarily the hottest areas right now, not necessarily the downtown core where I'm paying, you know, the highest price right. per square foot. So, uh, the DuPont and Lansdowne area, I, I, I often say my husband and I often say we should have bought more. We yeah. only bought one. I wish I'd bought right. more. Um, the rents is that across, a condo or is that a free it's a condo. Okay. It's a condo. Um, and it, it does very well. Yeah. Um, and it's that area not a headache. was ridiculously cheap. It was. And it's, I'm yeah. going to say it's still relatively yeah. underpriced, yeah. um, in relation to the rest of the market. Um, I would buy there again. And again, if I am looking, those are the, those are the types of things I'm looking for. Those areas that are kind of up and coming, right. um, maybe not the hottest areas. Uh, it's, you know, close proximity to transit, close proximity to great amenities. A um, bit, a little bit of sketch still. A little bit. Well, that's exactly that's exactly yeah. what you want to look for, yeah. right? Like I right now, I live in High Park Junction area. Yep. And when we moved there, there was more than a little bit of sketch. Yeah. Well, Junction. Yeah. Right. The junction is like red hot right now. Everybody exactly. wants to live in the Junction, but everything's moving a little bit ago. north and a little bit west, yeah. right? So if you can get in just before that, yeah. Um, that's what you you want to look for those pockets that are just on the cusp of mm-hmm. a turnaround. Um, so like I said, the DuPont Lansdowne condo that we have there, it's, it's done beautifully. I wish I had more of them. Um, the tenants are no problem whatsoever. It's, it's very easy to rent. It's very easy to keep tenants. Um, so yeah, we've been very, very happy with that. Right. And you continue to grow your portfolio from there. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what's your take on the market right now? Um, you know, what, what are sort of the, the things that jump out at you as you look at, the, the market as a whole, you, you have an interesting perspective where you are because you really have, have great exposure and experience both on the low rise side of things as well as on the high rise side of things. So curious to hear what, you know, what, uh, how do you see the market right yeah. now? Um, so there's two things with regards to the high rise side of things, um, where we're focusing and, and, uh, where I think things are actually doing well, again, are, not quite uh, downtown core where the price per square foot is is you know quite high at the moment. Um, I think that agents and buyers are kind of looking at those areas, whether it be the Dupont and Lansdowne, whether it be um, you know just outside of the GTA, Vaughan, a little bit further west, even a little bit further east, or in pockets that are actually very very close to the core but just still undervalued. Um, and, and you see some going up along West and you see some going up along, you know, just North of the junction, just East of the junction. Um, and I think that's where, uh, both developers are looking to go. And also I think that's where the buyer is looking because it's, it's about affordability at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. Uh, so that's for the, the high rise, uh, with regards to the low rise market, um, and I, we, we touched on this a little bit, uh, earlier today, I, I see that, uh, it's on the cusp of 
taking another leap mm-hmm. right now. Um, the prices for high rise have grown such that there's the gap between the two is very small, if any. Yeah. Right. So um, that really need, leaves nowhere for for low rise to go, but up because mm-hmm. everybody who starts to look at, well, I could buy this two bedroom condo for the price that I could buy that house. Right. Um, you know, yeah. they're going to start moving to the housing and therefore, you know, that's going to start moving mm-hmm. in an upward direction. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the past couple of years has been a big shift, hasn't it? Where, you know, in 2016, if we're having this conversation, maybe early 2017, it'd be very different. We'd be saying, well, you know, uh, the uh, an average house is, is 1.2, 1.3. You can buy a great condo for, you know, great two bedroom condo for like, you know, 600, 650 K mm-hmm. now it's like the two bedroom condo now today is, is 800, 850, 900 K. Uh, and the low rise market has been pretty flat over the past couple of years since the fair mm-hmm. housing plan and everything else. Right. So, so like you said, the gap is, the gap was at an all time high, uh, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And now that gap is, has shrunk a lot. It's still yeah. big. It's closing. Yeah. But it's closed a lot. Hasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So that, uh, that brings us to the opportunity we have here and now, which is, uh, which is Riverside. Um, so you've done something very unique, very different with this development. So I'll let you take it away. Just, I mean, there's lots of townhome developments. There's lots of low rise developments around the GTA, mm-hmm. but you've done something very unique here. I'll let you explain what that is and, and why did you do it. Absolutely. So first, um, a little bit about the project and where we are. Sure. Um, so we are actually located, um, just on Lawrence between Jane and Black Creek. Um, and we're on a ravine, which I mean, I don't think there's very many areas in Toronto where you're going to be able to find homes that are situated on such a beautiful uh, piece of land on, on a ravine. And we're close to transit and highways. And we've got, all the amenities, uh, close proximity to some to the junction, to High Park, to York University, uh, we're directly north of the Upwood. Uh, sorry, the Upwood. We're directly north of the Mount Dennis um, LRT station, which is going to be the first stop in the new Crosstown LRT. So, this checks all those boxes that I was discussing earlier. In that, you you want to go into those areas where they're not quite realized yet. Uh, but the potential for growth, like the infrastructure here is amazing, mm-hmm. right? So you really, there's, there's nothing you would want for in this location. Um, and uh, so what we've done is we've got this community of uh, townhomes. We're releasing 40 townhomes. Um, and the pricing here is pretty spectacular. So if you look at the price per square foot of any one of these towns, you're somewhere between 450 and 500, depending on the various options, depending on what it is that, you know, if you have the finished basement, et cetera, which, I mean, I don't think that condo prices have been there for years. No. Right. So the value there on its own is impeccable. Um, and so for the same price that you might pay downtown for a two bedroom, small two bedroom condo, you're getting a home. Um, now, the very special thing here, the different thing we're doing is the introduction of legal secondary suites. Mm -hmm. So in all of our homes, you can actually, uh, select to have the option of a secondary suite put in. And it's again, proper fire separation, uh, insulation, everything that you need to make it's it's a separate entrance. Exactly. Separate, completely completely separate unit, separated, physically separated units. That's correct. Um, and what that does, and the way this is, it's it'll be the ground level, 
um, and then the lower level become like a one bedroom secondary suite and then you are left with the main floor which would have your kitchen your living and your dining and then the third level which has your three bedrooms um, as the, the first living space and then the secondary suite is the lower suite so there's a number of options here you can live in the top unit in the whole house and rent out the bottom to subsidize your living expenses and if you do that um, your your costs are depending on the house in and around two thousand dollars a month to and that includes property tax it includes maintenance fees it, it, like that is all in your mortgage everything two thousand dollars a month to live in a traditional three-bedroom uh, townhome in the city with two parking spots um, that's brand new that's brand new like you cannot find that anywhere you can't right. you can't rent one a, bedroom condo downtown is the average is like 2200 2300 exactly this 2000 bucks a month is your cost to own a whole home and you're living in a three bedroom that's right unit yeah. that's right and of course that is taking into consideration the rent that you would get to to rent out that lower secondary space right um which is which is great um, just to bring it back to my story again. So when I moved from Liberty Village to the Junction area, mm-hmm. um, I moved from a 900 square foot two bedroom condo yep. into a four bedroom house that I I still lived in less than 900 square feet because that's all the furniture I owned. Like we had most of the house empty. I didn't know what to do with it. Okay. But it was, <laughs> uh, it had a basement apartment. Okay. So um, that was the first house you bought. That was the first house I ever bought. Basement apartment. Yes, and the tenant wanted to stay, and we didn't need all of the space, so we were like, "Why not?" That really helps. My cost per month actually went down um, buying a house with the tenant renting the basement. My my overall costs were less in the house than it had been in the condo. You get more space. You get you own a freehold home instead of a condo, and your cost goes down. That's right. That's right. And over the years, uh, we've had a nanny and then we've had it not rented, uh, but now we rent it again. Not because we need that to subsidize the the overall cost of the home at this point in time, Mm -hmm. but we found we didn't use the space. And if I can make a couple thousand dollars extra a month, you know, you can use that to invest in other properties. You can use it to go on that great vacation. Like... Yeah. I'm not going to say no to money. So essentially, I have a bank in my basement. <laughs> You're funny like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? So it, it's 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 an amazing secondary source of income yeah. that I don't need. And now, um, like my mother is in, um, in a house, and when we renovated it for her, uh, I insisted she put the, the basement apartment in, and she was like, I don't mm. know how I feel about someone living down there. And now she would not go back. Like, she's so grateful because, again, it's just that that – income that yeah. you can that disposable income you can do whatever you like with so even if you you on one hand you can use it to subsidize so that you can afford to be in something that maybe you couldn't otherwise um or it can help you to save for other things and then later on when that's no longer the need or the drive uh you have this amazing income that you can just you know yeah use i mean to, it gives you that flexibility to like you said you you can use it for yourself you might use it for a nanny you might use it in-law suite um you might use it for yourself. Uh, you know, you rent it out. You just you have all those options. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's great flexibility to have. Um, and and I think with the market the way it's going, um, if you look at it this way, um, yeah. How much how much of this like because you could have just done normal towns and, and 
like any other builder and just not had this secondary suite thing at all. Um, but you, you, you guys purposely went out and did like how much of this decision was driven by the affordability side of it and just, you know, wanting to give buyers an option that otherwise a hundred percent, you just can't get into the market. But with something like this, you actually can. That was a huge driving force yeah. or, or a huge factor in, in, in developing these secondary suites. Um, and it's not just us. Um, legislation right. is headed that way. The city wants higher density. So um, they're making changes and their their framework is being arranged so that, you know, it's easier for developers and it's easier, like they're coming up with laneway housing. Yeah. There's They're coming up with so many mm-hmm. different um, options for more housing for multiple dwelling units within one mm-hmm. um so we're kind of just at you know we took it and we ran with it yeah. because we thought it was such a great idea um but it, it's it's all about the affordability really that's the number one driving factor um it again you are getting if you want to look at it like two condos you're getting two condos for under a million dollars you're paying on average 450 a square foot maybe 480 a square foot depending on on the the layout you're looking at um, right. and you're actually, your living cost to live in a large, I'm going to, I'm going to call yeah. it a condo cause that's what we're comparing it to. But, um, for all intents and purposes, you know, over 1500 square feet, 1400, 1500 square feet of living space for you or you and your family, yeah, very livable space, for, very livable for a family. Yeah. yeah for, for $2,000 a month. Yep. Right when you take, when everything's taken into consideration, I mean, it's, yeah. it makes it extremely affordable. Oh yeah. Like your great analogy, like you think of it as you're buying one house, but it's like, you're buying two condos, a brand new house. It's like you're buying two condos for, you know, like around 450, 500, 550 per square foot. Um, if I said to you, the condo investor who's listening right now, you know, I have a, I have a, a brand new condo for you that you can purchase in Toronto for 500 bucks a square foot, including parking. I mean, you wouldn't even bat an eye. You'd be all over that. You'd jump on it an instant because you know that you'd be able to rent that thing out no problem for positive cash flow at 500 bucks a square foot. Of course, those days are long gone. The average price in Toronto, you know, is, is 800 bucks a foot. Probably the average price downtown is much, much higher than that. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, to get something at 500 bucks a foot, if you just think about it like that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So you actually just <laughs> mentioned something about cash flowing. Yeah. So, so let's talk about cash flow. Yeah, keep, what do the numbers look like? We keep talking about if you were to live in one right. and you were to rent the other. Then it's very cheap to live. Yeah. In, yeah. In a nice right? big new home. Right? right. But then there's also the option of having the secondary suite and basically owning two investment properties. Yeah. And renting both out. Like a duplex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in yeah. any of those cases... Um, depending on the rents, you're looking at immediately with 20% down conventional mortgage. Um, all of these homes are cash flowing about a thousand to $1,500 a month. Like a thousand, a thousand actually is, is, uh, it's actually on the very low end. You're probably looking around 1200 to $1,600 a month, all costs considered. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, it's insane. It is. It doesn't insane. exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist anywhere, <laughs> and it hasn't for some time. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. when prices were much lower, that that no. didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is why I bought one. This is why you bought one. Yeah. It's really a no-brainer. It's uh, you can buy a free, a brand new. It's actually pre-construction. It's even before brand new, if you want to call it that. Uh, freehold home, 
um, in the city of Toronto, in the 416. This is not in the 905. This is not in the outskirts of the GTA. Brand new freehold home in the city proper that's going to give you positive cash flow. And not just, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, barely breaking even sort of a cash flow, but actually significant real income. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like that you can't get anywhere unless you're buying, I don't know, maybe quadplexes or something in Hamilton, right? right. Like yeah. where, where, show me where you can, you can get a thousand dollars or more positive cash flow a month on a, on a, on a freehold property, let alone a brand new one. You can't. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not aware of anything. If, if, if you're out there listening to this and you're aware <laughs> of something, please let me know where that is. Cause I'd love to buy one of those, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a no brainer. Yep, absolutely. It really is a no-brainer. I love what you guys have done. It's uh, it makes just so much sense. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you you if you you know you buy if you're thinking of buying a home for yourself in the city, it's a great option. You you live in the bigger unit, or maybe you're a single person, maybe you're a couple. You don't need a lot of space. Live in the small unit. Rent out the big one. Yep. You know, um, and you're if you do the numbers on that, you're you you know, your your cost to live there is maybe I don't even know like. You, thousand bucks a month or something like that probably uh yeah it'd be quite is, low i'd have to run my numbers backwards but yeah, yeah. it'd be almost nothing yeah it'd be almost yeah. nothing um and obviously a lot of people looking at it just strictly from an investment standpoint renting out both units and uh and enjoying some some uh massive cash flow there um anything else that you want to highlight i mean i think we've touched on a lot of great features about this but anything else you want to highlight for investors out there listening who who uh are wondering about uh, how they can get on, on this uh, opportunity well i think we've touched on on most of it i mean how they can get in on it is that they need to reach out to you yeah. and uh, and yeah. uh, move pretty quickly there are only 40 of these right um so i do yeah. anticipate they'll they'll go pretty quickly um it's it's a great opportunity it is a great neighborhood i'm in the junction, I'm only seven minutes from here myself, right. so I know the area very, very well. Yeah. Um, Talk about the goat. I mean, we talked a little bit of location, but in terms of transit, um, that was the big thing that I, I like about it is is the the go train, and mm-hmm. the, and so could you just yeah, touch on absolutely. that for people who aren't so familiar with So we this? are um, fronting on Lawrence, so on on the east and the west side of our project, uh, there are bus stops and going east and west. So it going west, I believe it's less than five minutes um, to get to the West and Go station by bus. And then once you're at the West and Go, it's about 15 minutes um, to Union Station right. on the West and Go. So you're looking at 20 minutes altogether to get to Union Station, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then I believe from West and Go uh, on the Up Express, you can catch the Up Express there, and it's 10 minutes to the airport. Yep. So you're 15 minutes to the airport, and you're 20 minutes to Union. Okay, and then if you go take the bus in the other direction, you'll end up at Lawrence West Subway Station, and you can hop on the subway and stop at any of those stops north yep. or south along the way. So. As far as transit goes, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, one other thing that's really important is, and I think I mentioned this earlier, we are directly north of the Mount Dennis uh, LRT station. Right. So uh, this LRT station will have, I believe it's 50 different bus lines running through it. Um, it's the first stop in the new Crosstown LRT. Um, it will connect to the subway line, et cetera. So once you get to Weston, that five minutes to Weston, you go directly south to the... Um, 
Mount Dennis Station. If you needed right. to go east or west, let's say you're working in the east end, you could just hop on the Crosstown yeah, LRT as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and the minute that Crosstown LRT comes in, which, like I said, is directly south of us, we're so close to it, all of the property values are going to change. Everything's going to change around here. Um, when you read about the uh, Mount Dennis Station, if yeah. you Google it, um, basic, people are comparing it to Union Station. That's how big a hub it will be in the city, second to Union Station only. Right. So that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, and then if, let's say, you drive as opposed to taking transit, literally three minutes is what it takes you to get to the on-ramp to the 400 or the 401 um, and then we're not that far from the access to the 427 so um, it's actually in my opinion preferable to living right in the downtown core because good luck getting out of there by car yeah um, with that kind of traffic yeah if you drive yeah and, and I you live in the heart of the city I used to live in the heart of the city you know in real estate we do a lot of driving mm -hmm. it's brutal yeah. Getting, getting around the city right now in a car um, if you're in the core of the city versus if you're here, like you said, you you can get it to any of the major highways five minutes or less. Yeah. Um, but you also have the transit options as well, yeah. right? So you at can your doorstep. get into the city so easily and so quickly, but you can equally get out of the city and around the city right. um, very easily. Right. Um, and then we're close to York University and uh, we're like I said, we're close to the airport. We're, we're close to some great malls. I mean, there's, there's really every amenity here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I love the, I love the go train connection. And just like you said, it's, it's 20 minutes from your door to union station. I mean, if you're again, let's do a comparison. Like, uh, if you're taking the subway 20 minutes, like you can't even get to union station from like, say young and Eglinton, it's probably more than 20 minutes. Um, like say Greek town on the East side or, um, High Park on the west side, it's more than 20 minutes, That's way right. more than 20 minutes. I used to live East End, Danforth. It was, uh, to get to Union, it was about 45 minutes, mm -hmm. 45 minutes on the subway. And I was like in the heart of the city, right? Yeah. Um, and more and more, I think people are, they're measuring their commutes, not by distance, but by time. That's right. How long it takes, right? It's like, I don't care where I live. I just want to know how long does it take me to get to where I need to go and, and, Obviously, Union Station, Financial District, that's where the majority of people are going every morning. So 20 minutes uh, and your go train, you're not you're not dealing with the subway and... and uh, well, and that's why it's quicker, right? Yeah. Far less it's stops. Just, it's more civilized, right? The, the way go, more The civilized. go train yes. versus the subway, right? Obviously, so the preferred way to travel. And if you use Pearson, if you use the airport a lot, like you said, 10 minutes to the airport, mm -hmm. I think it's even like eight minutes or something from, from stop to stop. Uh, it's a great, great spot to be for getting around. Um, yeah, so obviously I'm sold, you're sold. We both already purchased here. Um, I'm excited to, uh, to work with, um, more investors who are interested in purchasing here too. Um, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks again for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.